I, I will admit, um, and my wife can confirm this, that I am the absolute king of not being able to find something that is right in front of my face. And I, I'm sure that husbands were not the only ones with this unique ability. Wives, you possess this ability too. Kids, you possess this unique, unique ability to not see things that are right in front of your face. Where's thy shirt? Well, it's, it's hanging up right there in front of you. Where's the peanut butter? It's in the pantry, a second shelf where it always is. Where's my cell phone? It's in your hand. I know you've done that. For whatever reason, we're looking and we're looking for something. Maybe it's your wallet, your keys, and you just can't seem to see what's right in front of your face until someone comes along and says, what are you looking for? And then you say, I'm looking for this thing, and then they motion and tell you it's right there. How could you not see it? For whatever reason, it just it was in front of your face and you missed it the entire time. This happens more often than I would like to admit. It's not such a big deal when you're looking for a jar of pickles in the fridge. It's a little bit bigger of a deal when you're looking for your keys or your wallet. But what happens when you're looking for God and you just can't seem to find him? You can't see him. He's nowhere in sight. What then? What if you're trying to have faith? You're trying to believe. You're trying to have hope. But Jesus seems nowhere to be found. And people keep telling you that Jesus, this person, Jesus is here. And you just can't seem to see him. What happens then? Well, it was, it was after Jesus was crucified. And some of Jesus' disciples, they were they're in a pretty dark place here. They're in a place where they're feeling like all hope is lost. I mean, here's this guy they've been following for years, and, and, and he's now been arrested. He's been crucified. He's been beaten. He's hung on a cross to die. He's in a tomb for three days. The one that they once thought was going to be this Messiah, this king, he's, he's dead. He's in a tomb. He's sealed up. He's not coming back. What in the world are they going to do now? So they do the only thing they know how to do. Same thing we do. They went home. And I love this story. This is where I want to pick the story up. It's in Luke 24 today. And there are two of Jesus' disciples, and they're heading home. And this is what it says. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. It says, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened, and they talked and discussed these things, and Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. It says, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short with sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the past few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religion, religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. And then they said these words. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. 
This all happened three days ago. You know, you talk about not being able to see something that's right in front of your face. I mean, here's two guys that, that lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, served with Jesus, ate with Jesus, witnessed Jesus do incredible miracles. But they couldn't see Jesus. And this baffles me. And yet the same thing happens in our lives all the time. And this leads me to the first of three observations I would love to make for us this morning about this story. And the first one is this, that Jesus was right there. They just didn't realize it. You know, sometimes we seem to be blinded by the things that are just right in front of our faces. Or, or maybe, maybe it was because Jesus seemed so ordinary to them in this moment that they didn't recognize him. Maybe they were expecting something extraordinary. I mean, if a guy's going to raise from the dead, wouldn't you think there would be fireworks or a band or a smoke or a light show or something would happen to indicate that this was him? Maybe they were expecting something so extraordinary they just didn't notice Jesus in the ordinary parts of their life. And what if Jesus is right here in your life too and you just don't realize it? You know, I admit that sometimes, sometimes it takes a trusted person, another person in your life to point out Jesus to us. I've had moments in my life when, when I didn't understand something or I was discouraged or I was angry and, and, and I had questions and I couldn't see what was right in front of my face only to have a trusted friend or maybe even my wife come to me and say, can't you see? I said, no, I can't see. And they say, it's Jesus right there. He's been there this whole time working and you can't see him. He's been here and I just, I don't realize it. Sometimes Jesus is right there, but we just don't realize it. And that leads me to my second observation I want to make this morning, that these two guys were living a we had hoped kind of life. In fact, Cleopas said it clearly. He said we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. These guys and many other people had hoped that Jesus was going to rescue the nation of Israel from the bondage of Rome. I mean, they were being enslaved by the oppressive Roman rulers and they had hoped that Jesus was going to come. He was going to rescue them. He was going to change things for them. He was going to fix their circumstances. Because isn't that what the king of the Jews is supposed to do? Fix their circumstances. I wonder if you would take just a moment this morning to think through something with me. What happens when we look to Jesus only to change our circumstances? What happens? We, we had hoped that our marriage was going to work out, but Jesus doesn't seem to be changing my spouse. I had hoped that I was, I was going to find that special person to live the rest of my life with, but Jesus doesn't seem to be giving anyone to me. I, I had hoped that I was going to get that job that would give me fulfillment and purpose in my life, but Jesus doesn't seem to care. He's not doing anything. We had hoped that our friend was going to have a, a positive diagnosis at the hospital, but Jesus, he doesn't seem to be fixing it. We had hoped, we had hoped over and over. And what happens when we turn to Jesus, when we only hope that he will change our circumstances? Well, I'll tell you what happens. 
We, we, we start thinking, if he doesn't do what I want him to do, how I want him to do it, when I want him to do it, then, then we start echoing the words of Cleopas and we start saying, but, but we had hoped, and it starts to lead to a we had hoped kind of life. A sad life. We had hoped, and it's a life devoid of the reality of the resurrection. And yet, I think there should have been hope here for these guys. I mean, they heard the women in the morning say Jesus was gone. The angel told them he was risen, and yet they just couldn't believe it. But what I love here is that, that Jesus meets them on the road. In the midst of their discouragement, in the midst of their disbelief, these guys are headed home. They don't know what else to do, and Jesus wants to reveal himself to them. And in the next verses that we're not going to take time to read this morning, we see Jesus walking with these two discouraged disciples, and the text says that he led them back through the Old Testament Scripture. Then he pointed out to them how all the prophecies had said what would happen to the Messiah. He, he reminded them of all these things. There are 300 prophecies in the Bible that have been fulfilled by Jesus. Things predicted 100 years before Christ was even born were being fulfilled through the life and the death of Jesus. And he reminded them of those things. And I'm telling you today, if you're here and you haven't truly believed in Jesus, or maybe, maybe you have followed Jesus, but you've misplaced your hope somewhere along the way, I'm telling you, Jesus is pointing us back to the scriptures, to this word, because if you really want to see Jesus, you will see him in this book, in the scriptures. These two disciples had been living a we had hoped kind of life, but Jesus is about to change all of that. Listen to how the story goes on. It says, by this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Then Jesus acted as if he was going to go on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And I love that it says Jesus acted like he was going to go on. It cracks me up. He knew the truth, though. He knew what was going on in these two disciples' hearts. And these guys, they offered Jesus some hospitality. They invited him into their home to come and stay with them. In fact, the text says that they begged him to stay. There was something about him when he was sharing and something that resonated so deeply in their heart that they said, please, please come stay with us. This is probably the most important point of all of this. Right here, this is important for us to understand. Jesus didn't force himself onto these guys. He waited until they invited him in. And I'm telling you, some of you here may not believe in Jesus. Then maybe you've wrestled with your faith. Maybe you've wrestled with your, with your belief. But you're waiting for God to reveal himself. You want the skies to part. You want words to appear in the sky. You want something miraculous to happen to prove to you that, it, that there is this God here. But I'm asking you, what if Jesus is waiting for you? to take a risk, to take a chance that you'll open up your heart and your life to him, to invite him in. That's what these two guys did. They invited him in, and then it happened. 
Listen to what comes next. As they sat down to eat, he took some bread and blessed it and gave thanks and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Have you ever had something in your life trigger a memory? Like um, something you ate or tasted or something you smelled or, or a song that you heard on the radio or someone that you saw walking down the road. It was just something that, that triggered a memory in your mind and you went, oh, do you remember that? It's clear to me. It's just that little thing that triggered. I think this is what's happening here because they sat down with, to eat with Jesus and it says that, that he broke some bread and he prayed and he gave it to them. He had done this before. They had experienced this before and it triggered that memory in their minds and their eyes were opened and they suddenly recognized him. They couldn't believe that this stranger on the street was the risen savior, the one who had been walking with them and talking with them on the road. He's the risen Christ and he's in their living room. Jesus was alive. This was their Easter moment right here. And I love their response because it says, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained scriptures to us? In fact, it goes on to say that within an hour, these two guys were back on the road, headed back to Jerusalem because they had to tell the disciples everything that was happening. In fact, it says in verse 35, the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. They couldn't stop talking about Jesus. They were filled with hope in this moment. And this is why I'm here today telling you once again the Easter story for the millionth time because I can't stop telling you about Jesus. I can't stop telling everyone. Those disciples told someone who told someone who told someone who told us and now I am telling you this morning Jesus is alive. The grave is empty. This is the key from moving to a we had hoped kind of life, to a we have hope kind of life. I don't want anyone to miss this this morning. Well, I don't want you to miss what's right in front of you, but it's up to each one of us to invite him in, to open our lives up to him. The thing that sets Jesus and Christianity apart is yes, the fulfillment of the prophecies. It's the impact of Jesus on history. It's the eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of Christ from the dead, like we just talked about. It's all of those things. But hope in Jesus is not about our change in circumstances. It's not about our emotions. It's not about our feelings. It's about life change. And I stand before you this morning. I stand before you, a man whose life has been changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I have seen firsthand what, what he can do when we stop and we see him. I have been on my own road to Emmaus, a road that's been filled with anger and insecurity and, and, and people-pleasing. It's a place of little hope. It's a road of little hope, but yet I am changed. My hope now rests in the reality of Christ's resurrection. And listen, I'm telling you, no matter what you're going through, I can't promise you 
that God is going to fix it. I can't promise you that Jesus is going to change your circumstances. I can't promise that, but I will tell you this. If a man can predict his own death, burial, and resurrection and pull it off, then you go with that guy. You put your faith, you put your hope in that guy, the risen Christ. And that is when we can begin to move from a we-had-hoped kind of life to a we-have-hope kind of life. As a don't miss what's right in front of your face. You can see it. 